The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast from The Athletic. Coming up on this week's show, Mob on the Tyne, Newcastle trounced Villa in second half route. Spot on the plane, which inform mags are booking tickets for Qatar. And right on the buzzer, Katie Barker strikes late, very late, to see off Barnsley. Yes, hello, this is Pod on the Tyne, I'm Taylor Payne and it's another fine Monday morning here in the Upside Down where trees cock their legs at dogs, Chris is a pescatarian and Newcastle United are racking up Premier League points like they're going out of fashion. Everything is mad and everything is crazy. How the devil are we chaps? Chris Woff first and foremost, how are you? Are you alright? I'm surprised to learn that the scotch egg I had yesterday was actually made of fish. Um, <laughs> but... There's only this scotch could scotch an egg, isn't there? <laughs> but no, I'm very good, thank you. How how are you? How was how was Dubrovnik or wherever it was you were? It was lovely. Thanks for paying attention last week, Chris, when I said I was in Dubrovnik <laughs> or wherever it was that you were. Thanks for that, feigning interest in my life. Um no, it was it was wonderful. I came home knackered. And I think I've walked further than I've ever walked in my life. Uh but let's be honest, I needed it anyway. Uh and George Calkins here as well. George, how the devil are you, son? I'm all right. Well, it's, it's Halloween. We're recording this, so as you can see, I'm dressed in my Steve Bruce mask, and um, yeah, I'm uh, chomping on chomping on a family-sized bag of Haribo. I mean, that's my contribution to Halloween. I won't be answering the door later, so don't bother knocking on my house. Right. No. Well, then, chops. It's uh, it's been a hell of a week again in Newcastle United land. Newcastle United four, Aston Villa nil. St James's Park absolutely rocking yet again. A quiet first half. Uh, but turned around in the second half, a huge blow uh, struck. Uh, that's probably not the right word for that, is it? The poor goalkeeper for Aston Villa, who got a whack in the head and had to go off. Uh, but Newcastle absolutely battered Villa, didn't they, in that second half, Chris? They did, and I, both George and I were at the game. I was able. George was doing the sort of reporting from the match, so I was able to sit back and observe. And he did not. He did not like throughout when I was sort of trying to point things out that were happening, and he just kept on responding. With, I don't care. I don't care about specific details like that. When I was trying to point out, Jalinton's just switched flanks with Joe Willock, and he's moved three yards further up the pitch. And then here comes the defensive press, Chris. I've got to the age of 52 without knowing a single thing about football. I don't intend to start now. And you can do all the fancy tactics stuff, stat stuff. I love it. It's great. I learn something when I read it. I'm not bothered. Keep your opinions to yourself. I'm trying to work. Well, yes. Wow. Sorry. So, yeah. <laughs> We've started him off early. We've wound him up. But, um, yes, it was... The first half was very stop-start. I actually f- found sort of listening to other podcasts and, and sort of reading things on social media since and speaking to people. It, I found it a little bit amusing how wound up people were getting by Aston Villa sort of time-wasting when we know Newcastle have done that to other sides in recent weeks and months and just sort of saying that, that that's that's how it works. That, that, but that is where Newcastle are at now. The, the teams are going to come here and try and do that. I mean, actually, 
Yes, exactly. I mean, actually, it was quite serious with Emmy Martinez, and it was it was how he wasn't taken off. I was shocked. I mean, we were we Greg Evans, our colleague who writes about Aston Villa, was there as well, and we were discussing it as soon as it happened. Just said he looks from here, you can see he's not quite right. And then eventually he, he was taken off, having having jumped for the ball. So I I understood the frustration within within the crowd, and I know not everyone knew exactly what was going on at that point, but that was just absolutely baffling. And it was very stop start first off. I, th- I think Newcastle did have the better of it. They had a few openings. I mean, Callum Wilson's could have scored after a, a couple of minutes, and Villa broke through a couple of times without actually really creating the opportunities. I think Fabian Cher was a lucky boy at one stage when. Um, he was beaten to the byline, I think it was by Bailey, who got in behind him and probably was just outside the box, but easily that free kick could and possibly should have been given to Villa. So Newcastle were, were a bit sloppy at times, their passing wasn't great, um, they got caught. Villa almost sort of tried to play out from the press and then counter-pressed at certain times, which not many teams have done, and it actually did disrupt Newcastle a little bit. But then, get the penalty, Wilson scores, and from that point on... It could and should have been more than four. When Newcastle were utterly dominant second half, the most dominant I've ever seen them against anyone. Villa didn't have a single shot, barely got out of the half, and just absolutely, absolutely wonderful second half performance. It was great, wasn't it? Ten minutes added on in that first half for injuries as well. When Dia went down, of course, there was the Martinez incident. Uh, Fabian Shea was down at one point. It was just... I've never, I don't think I've ever seen as much injury time and I thought Newcastle could have scored two or three goals just in that 10 minutes added on and they ended up with just one from Wilson, George. The the penalty was coolness personified, wasn't it, right down the middle? Yeah, it was a great penalty and no, I, I totally agree Totally agree with Chris. I mean, I except, I don't know, did Newcastle have the better of it? There were a few moments when they gave possession away, they gave the ball away and it was like, hmm, is this going to be the day when things fall away and it's like you know there's there is we'll come on to talk about the position they are on the table and that sort of feeling of kind of disbelief about it but I think my instinct was okay I'm not sure that they're totally at this and then the stop start nature of the game all those delays couldn't they just couldn't get going the game couldn't get going and it felt very sticky I think the impressive thing is that week in week out we're seeing this team get confronted with things like that you know different different issues and they can they can deal with it they can deal with it they can find a way past it and as you say within that 10 minutes of at the end of the first half the the added time they could have scored a couple of goals and once they did find that way you know the second half was unbelievable i mean it was ridiculous uh such was the the domination and that's the thing they're being presented with different challenges whether they're playing home or away and they're finding a way to get through it. And by the end of the game, it's like, mm, was I really thinking that this was a potentially a banana skin? You know, but we're conditioned minutes? like that, George. We're conditioned that way. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, this is the, you know, this is what I wrote about. I wrote about this feeling where it feels to me as though the team have run away far ahead of what your brain can compute. I mean, because we are conditioned. I mean, I use the word institutionalised. We are a bit. I mean, I got the bus in. I got the bus into town on Saturday and I got the bus back. And on the way in, you know, it's obviously full of Newcastle fans and people are saying, oh, I fancy us to win today. I fancy us to win today. And then immediately qualifying it with it. Oh, shit. I can't believe I've said that out loud. I can't. You know, there's that. There is still that feeling. We're not at the point yet where we're going to games thinking Newcastle will win. And... It actually makes for a for a really nice atmosphere, a really lovely atmosphere, because every game still feels like it's fresh. 
you know, that idea of Newcastle going into a game and then winning it is still a fresh feeling. But no, by the end of it, I mean, by the end of that match, it was absolutely as dominant as you could as you could hope to see. Two goals for Colin Wilson. He's, uh, you know, he's looked a bit frustrated at times recently when he hasn't been able to find the net, Chris. But that second goal, I mean, I want to just point out that second goal was a thing of beauty. As a man who was fond of a training ground routine, that was gorgeously executed, wasn't it? And I don't think enough's been made of the, the, the work Kieran Trippier does in that goal because he takes the corner and then he makes a shape of a run as if to take away the second defender and then ducks back inside and the defender's just left for dead. He's still 10 yards away from him, but Trippier's movement and then to clip that ball in and, and for Wilson to head it in. I just, I was, I was in, in absolute bits when that went in. I thought it was a beautiful fo- bit of football. It was a great goal. It was something that their, Wilson spoke to Newcastle United TV afterwards and basically said that they've been working on a train all season, have been wondering when to use it. And in fact, it's a training ground move they had from Bournemouth when I think he said Steve Cook scored against Aston Villa as well with exactly the same move a few years ago that they'd done at Bournemouth. So they do work really hard on these. They're very inventive. Sometimes they don't pay off. You sometimes see Joe Linton go across and take corners and hasn't quite worked. But they try and sort of mix things up. They look at the way the opposition defends set pieces where can we try and get a little bit of advantage obviously Bruno Gimaraes the, uh, the other week against Brentford peels off the back and scores from one and um, it was it was one I thought attributed really well it was really bizarre afterwards because it was a, there was a VAR review which I presume was to see whether Kieran Trippier was offside but the replay we kept on seeing was whether see whether Callum Wilson was offside who was who was behind the ball it was very very odd Um but yeah, Wilson took it well. He was very annoyed at himself that he didn't get a hat-trick. He still hasn't got a hat-trick for Newcastle, which I know is something that really does frustrate him. But he, he ran the line so well, he gave Tyrone Mings a torrid time, which I didn't really realise until Saturday. But the suggestion is that, that him and... Uh, Tyrone Mings from the time at Bournemouth are not exactly best friends, which wasn't which was new information for me. I didn't necessarily realise that, but they really were going hammer and tongs at one another. And Wilson came out very much on top, uh, dragged him inside out, and it was He's a bit of a shit house on the quiet, isn't he, Colin Wilson? Oh, you don't notice on, yeah. it, and then you watch him for a while, and you think, "You worky ticket!" He's just constantly sniping at people and trying to wind up defenders. He's great at it as well. No, I love that's one of the things I love. I mean, I, I I say this often. He works centre halves. I love seeing a centre forward do that, and it's it is a bit of verbal. There's a bit of cheekiness. There's a bit of arrogance. He, they're always on. Have to stay on their toes. They have to concentrate all the time. It's brilliant seeing him fit, and you know we just have to keep our fingers crossed that that you know that he can stay fit because he he just offers such a difference and yeah he makes life difficult for the opposition it's not just about what he does on the ball it's not just about his shots or his headers or the chances he creates he he gives defenders an absolute nightmare which is yeah that's brilliant the header brilliant. off the bar was a ridiculously oh, good header yeah, what, a, what a fantastic header that was Sheeresque, wasn't it? shape of it awesome yeah beautiful such a good ball as well from Jacob Murphy. It's a very good ball. It was really well worked. You could see how gutted Wilson was when that hit the bar and came out. He, he, he turned the air blue, shall we say, if there's any uh, kids watching. We won't repeat what was actually said. Uh, two for him and one, another one for Electric Miggy. Um, Chris, what are you going to say about this one? It was the deflection. He didn't mean it. It was a uh, pass. It was, he, he, he meant to hit it where he hit it. Absolutely meant, meant to hit it. And it went exactly where he hit it, but it came off his little toenail. Bit so of his foot. Therefore, it somehow doesn't count. Come on. I mean, it did deflect very slightly, but that is... No, no, I'm just saying that that is, that is totally in jest because actually... 
as much as we praise Wilson, he under, I think he underhits the pass to Almiron a little bit. So Almiron has no choice but to come inside. And his first it. touch and is the, glorious, by first the way. Touch, and where we were sitting in the press box, you can basically see you're right behind the way the shot and the moves. And as soon as he hit it, you think this is whipping in. And it was it was absolutely fantastic. And I thought he was excellent again off the ball. Everything he did, he, he, he leads that he leads that press. He works so hard. Down that right-hand side, him, uh, Trippier, he had long staff. Overlapping and underlapping again, he had probably his best game for, for Newcastle and since he first broke through. Certainly under how how described his best game under him, and then you've also got Bruno Gimraes playing those little dinked balls over the top. There was another couple of those to Almiron. So no, I thought he was absolutely exceptional. He should win Player of the Month for the Premier League. I don't see how he can't because six, six goals, goals in October, six games, incredible. Yeah, three or four of them, his own goal of the season uh, highlights reel, and just yeah, absolutely superb. On that subject, we do, you know, it, it bears repeating what we talked about, what we talked about last week, that in an unchanged team, this was six starting players who were at the club pre-Eddie Howe, who were at the club pre-Takeover, and whose, by and large, whose transformation has been, has just been outstanding. It's, you know, it's, it's nonsense territory, really. I mean, Almiron is the one getting the headlines because he's scoring fantastic goals but we also have to give huge credit to Fabian Cher who had effectively been discarded you know um, who is now an absolutely fundamental part of the tightest defence in the Premier League we've got to talk about Sean Longstaff as Chris just did then sometimes he's looked like a a lost boy it looks like you know the, the incredible shrinking footballer under Steve Bruce you know this guy that had come to prominence under Benitez, who was linked with Manchester United, um, now is looking like that player again. The energy, the engine on, on him is astonishing. Oh, it's ridiculous. He, the ground he covers. The ground he covers, he strikes the ball so well. And, you know, Gillington, again, we don't have to keep mentioning him, except you do, because he was playing in front of the Brazil manager on Saturday, and the idea of Gillington playing for Brazil is not a joke. I mean, it's just not a joke. But the same for the same for Sean and Gareth Southgate. Why shouldn't he be in that conversation? Why shouldn't Dan Byrne be in that conversation? Anyway, the point is that you know you look look across the team, and it's it's a story of improvement. And Eddie Howe just has to take so much credit for for what he's done with this group of players. There, when when players go out injured, injured others are coming in. And you're not noticing the difference. It's uh, yeah, brilliant. There was a uh, Joel Linton scored obviously in the uh, in the second half, Chris, and a, a fine flowing move which came from Newcastle defending on the back foot, right on the edge of their own box, and then breaking forward with pace. And Joel Linton puts the ball away after Callum Wilson's shots blocked. But there was a lovely moment uh, that I spotted just as Joel Linton celebrating that goal. He runs over to the crowd and there's a ball boy stood right next to where he's celebrating the ball boy looks at him with a face which to me was saying look at the fucking size of him he's massive <laughs> because he just looked huge this kid's face was a picture and I love seeing Joel Linton score goals because he seems to absolutely love it when he does and, and he was great again wasn't he well Joel Linton basically screamed in that ball boy's face as well didn't he like a celebration it's just a, a, a out to I'll be honest and I've seen terrifying. this I've seen this goal several times and I still think there is a suspicion that he might have been very, very slightly offside. I know that the angle, I, I, but that that it was a goal. It stood great, absolutely brilliant, and it was a very good move. Actually, the ball from Willick through to him, Villa should have dealt with and didn't. But then persistence from Newcastle, the the players 
following the ball, trying to get it in the box. Wilson has his shot, is very angry with himself that he doesn't get the hat-trick goal. And then Joe Linton follows it up, which is not what he's always done. We know he doesn't always follow it in the box. And he, he finally gets that first goal of the season. How said before, Newcastle need to have more goals from midfielders. They've got 10 different players have scored now so far this season, which is the, the second most in the Premier League behind Chelsea. So lots of people are contributing, something they've needed without Sam Maximan, without Isak in recent weeks. We've said beyond Wilson and, and Almiron, obviously, you, you stepped up. Other people need to start scoring goals, and that, that was was an important one for him. So Showed uh, some yeah, of that poacher's instinct that we saw, that we bought him for. Yeah, and it was it was it, it was yeah. it was fascinating watching sort of Joe Linton and and Willick. I mean, George was was wasn't very happy that I was relaying this to him during the game, but the two of them did essentially have a sort of hybrid rule where early on Willick was almost playing as the left sided forward and Joe Linton was the the left sided midfielder. Then it switched and then it switched back again, and it it just shows the sort of the versatility that the, that those players have. But but someone particularly like Joe Linton, you can play him in several different positions. I mean, if if and when San Maximan can get back into this team, then you would suspect Joe Linton moves back to left side of midfield just because Howe likes the, the sort of defensive solidity he gives. But there is real competition for places in that midfield now. Shelby came came on again. Sean Longstaff is playing so well. Joe Willock brings that sort of physicality. Obviously, you're not going to take Bruno Gimaraes out of the side. So, where they fit everyone in, suddenly from a few weeks ago, I was talking about mm, they, they look quite light. Now, with bodies starting to come back, you're looking and thinking they have real positive selection dilemmas here. And how can change things positively by bringing some of those players off the bench as well? And an interesting one, George, for the first time in a Premier League game, we see six substitutions made. What was it like in the ground when that happened? Did anyone not know what the hell was happening? Obviously, Martinez went off as a concussion sub for, for Aston Villa, which allowed Newcastle to make that additional change. But uh, I can't ever remember seeing that. That's amazing. Why have you got to George with this one? Why have you got to George? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't aware that it's... I, w- I mean, this is the first I've heard That's of it. That's why I've went to George, Chris. I just wanted first to check. I've heard of it. Just wanted first to check to it. see if he knew. What happened? I mean, I, I have to be honest, I, did, I, I was completely unaware of it at the time. And, and, until now. Um, and then Chris came over, I was uh, wait, waiting for Kieran Trippier at the end of the match in front of the dugouts, and uh, yeah, Eddie Howe was quite interesting there on the sixth, sixth substitute. Uh, sixth substitute? Um, mm, yeah, was he? Okay, yeah, did you think they'd rolled yeah, over yeah, yeah. from the last game yeah. because we hadn't made five, so you get an extra one this week? <laughs> I just did. I mean, I, to be honest, I think five substitutes is an absolute nonsense. Oh, we've upset and him. I hate gone. it. And, um, oh, that's a shame, isn't it? Six substitutes is just more of the same, really, isn't it? I mean, it's too, five is too many. Um, but, no, a fascinating situation, which I will now allow Chris to explain in all its intricate detail. Yes, so I'd noticed that make six, six substitutions, and I was a little bit confused because I assumed that one of them was a concussion substitute for Newcastle. So Botman had come off at one stage, uh, Cher had come off, and I'd assumed Newcastle themselves had used a concussion substitute. But I did not know that when the concussion substitution rule was brought in, that what happens is the side who use a concussion substitution give a green card to the fourth official, who then subsequently gives a, a white card to the other side, who get an extra substitution as a result. I mean, Villa only actually made five subs, so they didn't even use the six sub. It's a bit of a puzzling rule. I don't really understand why. I don't think it's... If you have to take someone off for concussion rules, 
reasons. I don't think that you should have to, quote-unquote, level it up with the other side because it just seems bizarre to me. It's meant to be about the health and safety. But that's what that's what the rule is. How and his coaching staff knew it and were able to use that six subs, so fair enough. Yeah, in fact, in fact, you get a white card plus also a pack of five Panini stickers <laughs> and apparently Jason Tindall got Bruno, so that's brilliant. Nice awesome, one. yeah. Hopefully a yeah. shiny next week. Uh, yeah, and, and I mean, George, you can't believe what's going on at the minute, can you? The world has gone nuts, let's be honest. Uh, but Kieran Trippier haven't, isn't having even one bar of that, is he? Uh, you spoke to him after the game. Not really, no. We're performing well. We deserve to be where we are, of course. But, um, you know, we need to keep our feet on the ground, of course. We've got the right squad for that. Uh, we've got the right manager for that to keep everybody in the place. So I think uh, the performances speak for itself, really, and I think we deserve to be where we are. Our mindset is to win. The games have been coming thick and fast and as the gaffer says before the game, just enter, empty the tank and that's what we always try to do. So I think that we've been performing well, but I think there's so much more to improve. Even though we've got the results we wanted, I don't feel like we've been playing to our high standards that I know we can, but the most important thing, we've got the points. And long may, long may that continue. Lovely stuff. I love that. Just the most blasé man in the world. It's mad all this, isn't it, Kieran? Nah. <laughs> No, well, that was my question. No, really. That was my question. I, I, I said, does even a small part of him think this is starting to get a bit ridiculous? I mean, that's how I asked the question, and I didn't mean that to be disrespectful. It's born of my own, you know, it's born of my own feeling. As I said a bit earlier, it's like where the team are is has. I mean, they are ahead of schedule. Let's let, you know. Let's be fair about that. Let's be honest about that. But um, it's. They've raced far ahead of what I can kind of get my head around. I mean, I think that's, and I, I do think that's not. It's not just me thinking that. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I've 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 written about this. This was the piece I wrote after the match. It is they're making the abnormal feel normal because it's not as if we're Newcastle are sort of living in this fantasy land. They have spent a lot of money, but the money they've spent has been incredibly grounded, and grounded was the word that Eddie Howe used afterwards to talk about some of the performance. This is a very grounded kind of revolution, one where you've got the six players who were at the club pre-takeover being prominent, where you have Dan Byrne at left-back, where you have Nick Pope from relegated Burnley in goal, where the whole thing is based on respect and hard work and all that sort of stuff. So when you look at their position in the table, it feels ridiculous, but they are absolutely where they deserve to be. There's no, you know, there's no sense of their out... You know that the, 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 I mean, if you go back to the to the Steve Bruce era, which I do, you know, reluctantly, there were there were times week in week out where we, we were thinking to ourselves, okay, they've got a result, they've got a positive result, that's great, but it just doesn't feel sustainable. I'm not watching Newcastle at the moment and thinking that what they're doing is unsustainable. Of course, I do worry what might happen if Callum Wilson gets injury, for example. I mean, it's not that, but it's not. It doesn't feel to me like this is. Cheating, you know, like it's a farce. It's ridiculous that Newcastle are where they are, but I can't accept it in my own head. And um, well, you're going to have to, like George. It. You're just going to have to get used to the idea that Newcastle United aren't shit at the minute. But as I suppose, yeah, yeah, no, no, and I and I do love, I love it. Don't get me wrong, I love it. But I also, I think, I love that still having that feeling because, as I say, as I said earlier, it does feel like sort of each each game is is a fresh discovery. So we're still going to the stadium and we're not jaded by winning and you know you look at very successful clubs at the moment uh, you know who've maintained success over a long period of period of time and it's almost as if winning is not enough or one defeat is a 
you know, is a crisis. I think we're still going to games, and it feels like every single match is a new discovery. Oh my God, we've won again. That is incredible. And it's a beautiful, beautiful feeling at the moment. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Hello everyone, I'm Tony Jameson, the new host of the Football Manager Show, brought to you by The Athletic. Football Manager has quite frankly ruined my life, but I'd be completely lost without it. And if those words resonate with you, our podcast will be right up your street with FM23's release inching closer and closer. Every week, myself and Aaron Falloon, aka RDF Tactics, take a deep dive into our most recent saves. We speak to the makers of the game about how to crack it and take on wacky community challenges suggested by our loyal listenership. So if that sounds like a bit of you, make sure to subscribe to the Football Manager Show wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Just how far can Newcastle go this season? Dare we dream of European football? Is it is it a wild-eyed conspiracy theory? Could we get there? Who knows? Well, no. I, I, I mean, before the start of the season, my expectations, as I said before, I, I was thinking 8th to 10th was a very, we very good season. We all said that, though, didn't we? Yeah, Everyone. And I, and I, and I still think if Newcastle were to finish 8th this season, that would not be a, a, a negative. I think that would still represent great progress. But where they are now, as you say, a third of the season gone, or more than a third, because you can't actually split 38 three ways. But anyway, oh, yes. Don't be pedantic. It's more than a third of the way through the season, and they are in fourth place. A couple of teams have, have games in hand. Chelsea could go back above them if they, if they went, uh, and Man United could go back above them. But they are very much in that sort of top six, top seven picture. And they you look at them, and, and, and what amazes me about Newcastle is that there isn't a, a sort of area where you think they're really, really weak there. They, they, they don't have the depth, as we said earlier in the season, and that would maybe be the concern. The World Cup break, I'm sort of torn on as to whether that's a positive or negative for Newcastle because they're not going to lose so many players to uh, the, the World Cup as others. Um, they're going to have this time to work together. They don't have European fixtures. We got, I think Newcastle have benefited maybe early in the part of the season because the the sort of so-called big six have been playing just about every single weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek, and even their squads have been stretched by that. Newcastle haven't had that, haven't got that, and whether that benefits them throughout the whole of the season, we shall see as well. But defensively, they're so strong. They've got the best defence in the league. They're now scoring goals, matching those metrics we talked about early in the part of the season where they were so much higher for shots, XG, all these sorts of things. They were so much higher than have been previously touches in the box. They look like everyone knows their job out on the pitch. And so I'm not going to say what their level is. I think that top four probably is probably just going to be slightly beyond them but I'm not going to say I'm not going to say that definitively I'm not going to write them off now they've massively exceeded my expectations and I'm just going to enjoy watching them for the rest of the season because it is just that that fun at the moment well my 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 mindset is exactly the same as as yours Chris I mean because I'm incredibly big time I was on Sky Sports News 
um, yesterday, and they asked me, you know, they asked me that same question: Is fourth place, you know, sustainable? Is that where Newcastle should be looking? And this is going to be part of the noise around the team now and around the club now. I suppose we should probably get used to it. But I, you know, I certainly don't want to be the person that that puts pressure on. Uh, Eddie Howe and the team. I mean, not that they would pay any attention to what I said or thought, but what, I, but kind of almost more importantly than that, I don't want to be going to matches thinking Newcastle should be in the top four. I don't want to have that feeling. I just want to, I want to enjoy the games for game's sake. I think if Newcastle get to the end of the season and they finished eighth or above, it's just been a fantastic season. If you if you take a step back and compare it to a year ago, which I think we're still entitled to do. I think, you know, the turnaround has been so astonishing that that is a natural thing to do. At some point, we won't be doing that anymore. We'll just be comparing Newcastle to where they were a couple of months ago or comparing Newcastle to some of the big teams in the division. And that's fine. You know, that'll be a very nice thing to do. But I think our natural inclination at the moment is to think back to what we've all experienced as Newcastle fans, which has been pretty rubbish. So I just want to kind of keep keep enjoying it. It's interesting that, you know, this has changed in the past few weeks because Dan Byrne was standing in exactly the same place that Kieran Trippier was standing not too long ago. I think it was after the Bournemouth match. And he said, we have to be realistic. And he also said, Europe is pushing it a bit, you know. And so that has changed in a, in a pretty short period of time. But I just think, yeah, I, I, I think my my thought would be the same as Chris's there, that if there are questions, it's about the depth of Newcastle's squad. But but the one caveat I want to give, I asked Trippier about this too, and he wasn't having any of this either, either, but I think he's wrong. I do think that this is a bit of a season of realignment, it feels to me, in the Premier League, or it feels like one of those slightly strange seasons. So... We've got the strangeness of the World Cup break coming up. We don't know what that's going to do to Newcastle, to any anybody else, but it has the it has the potential to be a disruptor. But you look at Liverpool, you know, look at where they are. Look at you know they lost again to Leeds at the weekend. You know they're not where we expect them to be. Look at Chelsea; they're not quite where we expect them to be. They're very inconsistent. They've just lost to Brighton, and then look at some. You know, Man United are still are still going through uh, a transitional phase, and then look at some of the other teams that we've been relatively used to seeing towards the top of the division over the past few seasons. Whether it's Wolves, whether it's West Ham, whether it's Leicester, you know Leicester. So it does feel to me like I'm not trying to say it's a it's a Leicester City winning the title sort of season, but it does feel like one of those strange seasons where there's a bit of realignment going on, and it feels at the moment certainly that there's an opportunity to be taken towards the top. And I think that's the exciting thing that you also know that internally at Newcastle, although they won't give themselves ridiculous targets, you know, in the short term for this season, that the club is ta- is capable of taking an opportunity and will recognise an opportunity. And, yeah, that, that to me is the exciting thing. Absolutely. Well, the World Cup in Qatar is just round the corner. We mentioned that earlier on. It could be a double-edged sword for Newcastle, couldn't it? I mean, it could stunt momentum. It could stop them in their tracks, but it could give them a chance to get some of those players back into the squad who've been suffering from injuries as well. Um, Kieran Trippier and Nick Pope, Chris, you would have to say they'd be showings for Gareth Southgate's squad, what with the, the injury issues that they have at right back and also Pope playing so well, keeping so many clean sheets and having so many great games. And it's great to see Callum Wilson getting his goals in front of the England manager as well and is he in with a shout 
I mean, I'll caveat any of my answers by saying I don't watch England between World Cups or whatever, so I, so I don't really care. So, so I, I am I am saying this from basis of someone who doesn't really know how England play. But, yeah, I mean, Trippier and Pope will definitely go there, sort of. I mean, Trippier is someone who Southgate really rates, has done for a long period of time. A lot of injuries in right-back positions for England as well. Callum Wilson, in terms of form... Strikers in the Premier League, he's only who English. There's only Harry Kane ahead of him with more goals this season. He offers something different, as people keep saying. Durability, I still think you would have that slight concern about him. But if he isn't going to start every week, then then yes, why not? Dan Byrne, people are, are pushing him. I'd love to see. Dan Byrne get get that sort of opportunity as some uh, he offers versatility as well can play in a few different positions but I mean Southgate tends to be quite he tends to be quite conservative with his selections he doesn't tend to just have many boulders going so given that Dan Byrne hasn't been capped previously I think that one is 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 unlikely yeah but on form why why not but I think it's I think it's unlikely because he he just hasn't been in the in the running before it's with enormous sadistic pleasure that I'm able to contradict Chris and what he's just said because Ivan Tony has actually scored a couple of more goals than Callum Wilson this season, Chris. Sorry, I so meant goals per minute. Sorry, uh, it's goals per 90. Uh, so no, you can't oh, change okay, the stats now, Chris. Now you've been proved wrong. You can't change the stats now. Okay, thank you. Well, I was going to point out is goals per minute and that is, you know, that is something that's, that's very important. I mean, I again, I think... I think Wilson should go. I think he offers something different. And I do always think that there's a great case to take the man in form uh, with you to a tournament. And he's definitely that. Again, it's the fitness thing that we have to hope holds out. You know, I've seen it, seen the question asked, you know, as Newcastle fans, should we actually want him to go to the World Cup because of, because of that? But I just think it would be, of course, of course I do, because he's longing to do it. Um, he's desperate to be there, and I just don't think I don't think you know fitness injury you know concerns put to one side. I think it's better for Newcastle that he goes, better for Newcastle that he, that he experiences this. Yeah, I would definitely take him. But no, I mean uh, the, the thing is there is a there's a there's a big sort of English uh, contingent to the team, and it's just I mean when was the last time Gareth Southgate was at Newcastle I don't know I don't know the answer maybe it's been this season I don't know but the idea of the idea of the England manager turning up at St James is is just such a sort of alien one sitting quite close to the Brazil manager by the way who was coming to check out on Newcastle players but also Aston Villa players you know again this adds to this feeling of sort of you know unreality about what's happening at the moment but very exciting why shouldn't Dan Byrne be in the conversation when uh, when Newcastle are defending so well, why shouldn't Sean Longstaff be in the conversation? Young English playing very well at the team, doing brilliantly. You know, I just Joe. Same for Joe Willock. Yeah, same for Joe Willock. And of course Trippier. You know, it's interesting that he says he's playing the best football of his career because you know he's played played at Spurs uh, for a good team. He's won the title at Atletico Madrid, but he's just he's phenomenal week he after is. week. As you mentioned, the uh, the Brazilian head coach there, Tite, uh, was in Newcastle to check on Bruno and uh, a couple of the Aston Villa players, and he went out for his tea, Chris, at the Rio Steakhouse. Have you ever been there? I have. Very nice. Very meat-delicious. Meat-delicious. <laughs> Good. Okay. That's that's the debut album from Chris Wolf coming out this Christmas. Uh, available in all good record shops and some bad ones. Meat-delicious by Chris Wolf. Uh, yeah. Um, Joe Linton as well. Any possibility. He can't hurt his chances, can he? 
he can't have done and I mean if if he saw Coutinho come on and be absolutely embarrassing and was in any way considering selecting him into his squad then then uh, I mean he just didn't look like he was going to be on the pitch I'm, I'm not saying that lightly either he did not look like he wanted to come on and then when he did come on he just he just he just fouled around I mean he, he's he, not Douglas... a player for a 4-0 is he? he's not a player for being done <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he's definitely not, not. <laughs> and then I mean Douglas Luiz was was is is regularly in the Brazil squad. He was playing for Aston Villa. He was probably one of their better players, but Newcastle's midfield certainly second half dominated. And Joe Linton playing in that sort of hybrid left forward, left midfield role was excellent. And again, he's he's another one who, if you're looking at to, to a squad to have a player who's versatile, why would you you look beyond Joe Linton? And 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 the fact that I think that Brazil, I mean, I don't watch them, so I don't know. But when I speak to people in the row, it suggests that they play their midfield plays in a slightly different way but the fact that he could cover a few positions and having seen him at the weekend the power athleticism that he brings uh, and the ground that he covers I'm sure he would have been very impressed I'm sure Bruno Gamaraes would have put in a, a very good word for him as well and so we will we will see on that front it would be wonderful for him if he did but I just don't know he was he wasn't invited out for tea, which is a bit uh, a bit of a shame, bit of a shame. Um, bit of a shame. <laughs> and he said after the match that it's it's difficult with only fourteen days to go before the squad's announced. But you know, it is a again. It's just worth saying what what an extraordinary story his is, and it's not a you know it's not a ridiculous conversation to be having this conversation a year ago. You know, a year ago, imagine having this conversation. But what a what a player! What an absolutely brilliant player he has become for Newcastle. And yeah, I hope it's in his future because um, for the effort he's put in, for not letting go of it, for working hard to turn it around, even when things were going badly for him. Um, yeah, what a what a hero he's become. Absolutely, uh, Chris. You've already said you don't watch England or international football in general, but you did have a, a very brief stint as the Athletic Swiss football correspondent. It says here, uh, Fabian shares. He a guaranteed starter for them. I was appointed as the Swiss correspondent for the World Cup, and then it turns out that I'm actually I'm actually away for the for the first two games, and so they quickly moved, they quickly just just took that mantle away from me. But I did have a, I did have a bit of luck in it. I mean, Cher has he's been in and out of the of the Switzerland side over the last sort of year, eighteen months. He isn't he hasn't been necessarily a guaranteed starter, but given his form, given the way that he's been playing. For a Newcastle side who are in the top four in the Premier League, he surely will be playing a lot of football for Switzerland at the World Cup. I'd say he's probably, of all of the Newcastle players who are going there, beyond maybe Trippier if if the other right-backs don't make it. I think he's most likely to see the most amount of game time, certainly in the group stages. Uh, and one player we haven't mentioned, George, so far in this podcast is young Sven Botman. He's made it into the Dutch 39-man preliminary squad for the World Cup. Have you ever seen a 22-year-old player come into the Premier League and play like that and just look so composed and look like he belongs? The man has been a revelation. Yeah, I mean, silky is 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 a word to use but i mean yeah you don't you don't really consider his age i mean that's a very good point that i mean i think the fact is that we're not i think the fact that we're not talking about him is actually a good indicator of of how of how excellent he's been because of the position he plays i mean it's it's been seamless and he's not making mistakes he's not famous last words obviously but um you know he's not making errors he's he's uh, so cool in possession um he's big he's strong he's got all the qualities you'd want and no i mean it's a it, passing the uh, ball as well and, and, and the ball and, and, is yeah, br- brilliant brilliant newcastle have two two center halves who are who are absolutely exceptional on the ball which is lovely to 
lovely to see, but they're you know they they're units as well, and they and they know how to tackle. And yeah, it's a great it's a great shout. It's a great point. He is a young player who's come into the team. He had to bide his time a little bit, um, but has just been absolutely seamless. And we're not noticing. You know, the fact we're not noticing a centre half. Is is a good thing. I watched the uh, I watched the Villa game with my with my girlfriend in in Dubrovnik Old Town in a lovely little bar called the Gaff Pub. Uh, check it out. Uh, and she made the point, and I was I thought, oh, this is great. She's actually watching the game and taking notice and everything because she doesn't normally. But she was she made the point that Sven Botman. She said, I don't really notice him until he's just absolutely smashing into someone and winning the ball, or smacking a forty yard diagonal pass straight onto somebody's toe end. She says he's just he, he, he's so inconspicuous until he's not if that makes sense and I thought that was a really good point uh, yeah uh, a couple of the players who were not going uh, Alan St Maximin it's long been a, a, a hope in his heart that he'll get into the French squad isn't it Chris but obviously injuries this season haven't been great for him and he hasn't made the cut this time round the French team has an awful lot of talent in it do we think he's ever going to get a chance I think he probably needs Didier Deschamps to move on as head coach if he's going to have a chance because he's probably the least Didier Deschamps player out there. But um, he, it's it's a it's a goal of his. It's something which which has been a sort of driving force behind him. He speaks about it a lot to players behind the the scenes. Fitness has is, is, is worked against him this year, but if if he can replicate anything like the form he showed against Man City at the end of the season on a semi-regular basis, then even given the talent that France have, it'll be difficult for them to overlook him too long. Absolutely, and poor old Miggy Amaron, Paraguay not there this time. Maybe next time, George. Yeah, I mean it's just a shame that this incredible run of form isn't isn't going to have an effect on on that one. I mean on on Saint Maxima, it'll be. I think this is an interesting, you know, it becomes an interesting period. It was good good to see him to, you know, come on come on the pitch. Newcastle aren't having to rush him back um, because of the form they've been in, which is good. What happens next will be interesting. Eddie Howe was asked about. Was asked about him on on Friday in his pre match press conference, and he talked about him. Perhaps the latest setback that he had in his injury has been a bit revelatory for St. Maximan. He was doing two training sessions a day. He was doing an extra session at work, and you know we know the talent he's got. He he is still only twenty five, so he does have a lot of time ahead of him. He's the one sort of bit of different, you know. He's the one kind of, I guess, difference maker in Newcastle's team squad still, and he can play a huge part. He can play a huge part in the second half of the season. So I hope he 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 takes on the challenge. the The World Cup has been a driving force for him, and he's not going to make it sadly for him. So hopefully he can he can knuckle down and use the challenge facing Newcastle to um, to push him on. Absolutely right. Then before we move on, uh, don't forget you can subscribe to The Athletic now for £1 a month for the first six months. An absolute bargain offer there. Uh, go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and you get access to all of our great writing as well as ad-free versions of all of the podcasts. That's £1 a month for the first six months at theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. We'll be back in just a tick. So over to uh, Newcastle United women's team. Uh, Chris, Katie Barker got the winner in the 93rd minute to send Druids Park into Raptures and break Barnsley hearts. What a finish to that game. 
Yeah, huge win. That we we've said how Newcastle's women have been a bit up and down so far this season. They they've they're in and around the sort of promotion push, but I think they wanted a slightly stronger start. That the, the inconsistencies have been there, but to win it and that should give them huge. Uh, confidence and hopefully momentum going forward to win a sort of tight affair like that when maybe early, in weeks earlier in the season they haven't been able to to quite get over the line in, in that sort of fashion. Yeah, George, some people uh, were expecting the team to run away with the league a little bit and uh, that could be potentially a big moment for them, couldn't it? Yeah, we have to remember that they, they too have had a lot of change since since the takeover. They brought it, Firstly, brought in a lot of players, uh, new players over the summer, They've also been, you know, required to get used to playing at Kingston Park. I know they didn't in this last in this last mar- match, but there's been, you know, there's been a lot more attention on them. It's great to see that they're now second in the table, level on points with Leeds. There is only one promotion place up for grabs. It's incredibly competitive, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing better than a. Well, I, I don't know. Is that true? Is a five nil win better than a last minute winner? Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. There's something comes about... something special about a last minute winner, isn't there? When you yeah. think all hope's gone, and then. And then suddenly the and ball in the net. Yeah, this, this, and they did. They replicated the the men's men's team's dressing room picture afterwards. So it feel, feels like, it, which is nice. It feels to them like, you know, that that was a big moment. And they've got the, you know, they've got the match coming coming up at St James's Park very soon, which hopefully, you know, that'll inspire them too. So yeah, feels like a that felt like a significant moment to me. They've got a lovely little trip to uh, to York next Sunday, George. The women's team, a leisurely little jaunt. Do you fancy that one? Forty five minutes each way on the train. Oh no, that's right. You'll be going to Southampton, aren't you? Yes, I will. Um, the private jet will be whisking me down uh, to <laughs> the fueled. south coast. It's, fu- it's funny. Um, I, I wrote because I, I, wrote, I wrote this piece after the ma- after the match the weekend, and um, and I kind of I talked about those comments that I'd overheard. Someone on the way back sort of said, um, "Oh, I don't want to get carried away, but I really want to get carried away," and I sort of like that. So I kind of I'd, I'd mentioned these two moments. So someone in the bottom in the comment has said, "Can't believe you get the bus to the match," and it's like. Why? I mean, am I? What am I expecting? I mean, my Bentley is it being serviced? My my private jet. Sorry, my private jet was. Is your driver Ferguson off for the week this week, George? Yeah, yeah. The dr- Parker, Parker. I, I had to let Parker have the weekend off. Um, so no, but I am getting the train. I'm getting the. I'm getting the train down to Southampton. Um, this train strikes allowing. I would love to be. The, no, I'd love to be at the women's game. I've, I've really enjoyed going to, going to watch their matches this season, and uh, I do have a season ticket now, so very pleased with that. But no, got to got to do the Southampton match. Any plans for the weekend, Chris? Something nice? Just going to take it easy, put your feet up. I'm at a wedding, bonfire night wedding. So, uh. <laughs> well, well, there you go. Lovely stuff. Perfect. Uh, here's a couple of things that might have fell between podcasts, so you might have missed them. Firstly, George's refutation of Jurgen Klopp's statement about ceilings or lack thereof, uh, and you know the one. Uh, plenty must have read it because there were loads and loads of comments on there. Uh, and tactics ace Ahmed Walid uh, on the long pass strategy that is playing a big part in our success this season. Fewer comments, but also a very, very good read. Uh, and as I said before, don't miss out on those. Uh, and if you're not a subscriber, there's always the podcast offer. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod where you can sign up and pay just £1 a month for the first six months on The Athletic. Yes, George, what would I, you like to say? I do just want to say, just very briefly, I wasn't having a go at Jurgen Klopp. It was it was that 
I mean, Liverpool fans have, I think, have taken it as that. But when he talked about no ceiling and and talked about Newcastle being up there financially with Man City and PSG, I thought that was kind of interesting because that, I mean, that probably will be fair comment in two or three years' time. But the the ceiling that that uh, that they were talking about at Newcastle was one of ambition. They do have big ceiling, you know. They have a very big ceiling in, at the moment in terms of what they can do. There, you know, there, there are financial restrictions. They don't have a commercial department, so so that's incredibly limited in what they can do. They have the ceiling of a antiquated training ground that they're in the process of doing up so actually and the point was the point was I felt that when you look at how they played at Spurs and what they did at Spurs it was with a lot of the same players who've been at the club for a very very long time so I felt that Klopp's words were a little bit disrespectful um, to Eddie Howe really so I, I I wasn't having a go at him I, I think Klopp's been incredible there, anyway, there were the people context. inside Newcastle United who were annoyed by the comments as well I think in terms of in terms of the, yeah, uh, yeah. In terms of the way that we I'm not surprised by that to yeah. be honest um, I thought they were a bit chippy I thought the comments seemed a bit chippy and well a bit he's been quite of... chippy this season hasn't he Jürgen Klopp things are going against him and he just seems to be finding he just seems to be talking about things that aren't his actual side's feelings really so but it's I, 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 I suppose what what it put me in mind of was in the in the Ashley era, people from the outside would look at Newcastle and look at Newcastle's fans and think, God, what are they moaning about? Winging Geordies, you know, they're thirteenth in the table, you know, they're they're financially they're stable. What is what you know? What do they want? And now people are looking at Newcastle and say, Well, it's just all about money. You know, it's just money. It's money, yeah, isn't it? They're not seeing the bigger and, picture. And that's fine because that's that's what football is. It's not that you know that's not a special case for Newcastle. Nobody gives a toss about what happens at any other club because you know that's what football is. You concentrate on your own and you defend your own. But I just wanted to put what's happened in a bit of context. Yes, they've spent a lot of money, but that's after a lot of that was a correction. A lot of that was a correction. They had to do it to try and stay up, but it's come after year upon year of either underinvestment or mis misinvestment, if that's a word. Anyway. What I will say is well done to the fans at the Spurs game in the away end who were singing the Lionel Richie classic, Oh, what a feeling when you've got no fucking ceiling, which I loved. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Which was, which, was tr- which was true in two ways because they all got absolutely drenched as well, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Pissed on, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Wonderful stuff. Right then, chaps, I think we'll wrap it up, eh? Why not? Uh, another win for Newcastle United. Thanks very much. Chris and George for your time as always and thank you uh, to you lot out there for listening Uh, this has been Pod on the Time Uh, you are all very welcome to come back next week and listen to us Uh, we shall speak to you very soon take care goodbye Athletic.